Welcome to Slaying the Sale, a podcast full of practical real-life sales lessons that you wish you learned in business school. Your host, Kyle, is a two-time best-selling author, creator of the Slaymaker Method, and in each episode, he and his guests will be answering the tough questions around sales, lead generation, and all things business to help you transform your sales mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Kyle Slaymaker. All right, welcome back to another episode of Slaying the Sale. I am your host, Kyle Slaymaker. I'm going to spare you my pontificating, ego-stroking bullshit, and we are going to get right into it because this is the episode that I have waited a long, long time for. When I decided I was going to start this podcast again, there was one person on top of my list, and it is the guy that is sitting right in front of me on the other side of the screen today. So without further ado, I'm going to hope that I can give a proper introduction to one of the most interesting dynamic guests that I have ever had the pleasure of, of being on. Um, so this guy is a rock star. He is the author of the book that I have long since said is probably the most important book that any business owner can read. Uh, and it's unfuck your business. It is all about core values. It is about the single most important foundational building block of any business. And that is your core values. He is the owner of the Step It Up Academy. He is the one and only Thomas Keenan. So, Mr. Keenan, thank you for coming on. Introduce yourself. If I did not do a good enough job, please feel free to tell now, me. Now, I'm about to hire you to introduce me on stage, man. <laughs> so, I, I never turn down opportunity. So, I'll, I'll just be your yeah. traveling hype man. Uh, first off, dude, um, this is role reversal for me. It's not very often I'm on someone else's podcast. I do a lot of them myself. Um, and I always like to start off like this. It's like, I'm really grateful that uh, we've connected and you asked me to come on your, your show as a guest. And I'm just going to do my damn best to deliver you and your audience with as much value as I possibly can while I'm here. Beautiful. Beautiful. I, I have had such a hot streak with guests. So I've had uh, Brian Cuban, Mark Cuban's brother was one of my first guests. Yeah. Um, Will Branham. Senior Chief, former yeah. Navy SEAL. I know you know. I got hey, my Will. audio lined up. Mm -hmm. I got working on Brandon Brittingham. Um, one of these days, I'm going to break Sam Kaufman down, get his ass on here. Yeah. Just, it's fun. It's <clears throat> right. And, and the best part of it is we just kind of deliver as much value as we can. We shoot the shit and we have fun, which I know we're going to have. So I'm going to hit you with a hard one right out of the gate. Let's go. Are core values really that important? Dude. Yeah. And here's what I've learned since I wrote my first book on fuck your business. Um, in that book, I talk about setting up core values for yourself personally and for the company. I've also learned that you need to establish core values for your family at home, especially if you're a parent and you got little ones at home. And I learned this from Steve Weatherford. Like, yes, that's Steve Weatherford, Super Bowl champion, Steve Weatherford. I was uh, very fortunate and grateful to have been invited to uh, one of the Cabo masterminds um, that uh, my, my former team that I used to work with was hosting. And it was the very first one. And Steve Weatherford was our special guest. And on the last day, Steve went up there and he talked about champion. Like, what does that mean? Like, and when you, when you hear a former Super Bowl champion talk about champion, like, it's legit. Like this dude has literally been the best in the world at insert whatever it is he's best at. For him, it was, you know, uh, being a punter for the New York Giants and Jets. He won the Super Bowl with the Giants. 
but he, he, he has this championship mindset that has carried him through life well, well beyond his years playing in the NFL. And um, he described it. I'm getting chills talking about it. Uh, he described it like this. He puts his, he's got a lot of kids and he's got like five or six kids at this point. Him and his wife must not have cable at home or something. Like, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> I get it. Oh man. But uh, the, he, he puts all of his kids to bed and wakes them up every single morning by speaking, speaking champion over them. And the way he does it is good morning, champion, good night, champion. Right. And he's, he's speaking it over his kids and he's telling them he's, he's programming the subconscious to let his children know that they are champions. It's like, all right, cool. I like that, but I got to make my own version of it. Right. That's just how I do things. Uh, I've gone through lots of different trainings, lots of different courses, lots of different, you know, masterminds, uh, lots of different companies and systems and formats. And I like to imp imply, I call it the mixed martial arts method, right? What can I pull from all of these things over here and put my own system together for it that fits me best? So I started doing that. I was like, all right, I already understand the importance of core values. I've got them in my, my personal life. I've got them in my, in my company. <clears throat> um, but I don't have them at home. How do, we, how do we leverage these? How do we utilize them? And what Steve did was he gave me the, uh, the roadmap of how to utilize it at home. So I'm a firm believer because I made this mistake before. And, and, and the first time I set up core values for my last company that I owned was uh, Top Class Installations. Um, we had seven core values at first. I got a team about at that time. I had about 25 people that were working for me. And I had trouble getting these guys to learn the core values. Seven's a lot. And it took me going and spending another fifteen or twenty thousand dollars at a two-day intensive work workshop kind of deal, uh, where the guy who was running that workshop, two dudes running the workshop, and they both own nine-figure businesses actively, and they had also sold a couple prior to that. So when I got these two heavy hitters who looked me dead in the face, and those kind of guys, they don't bullshit with you, man. They just get direct to it because they don't have time for it, and they're like, "Your problem is you got too many damn values, and your team's never going to remember them." As a matter of fact. Uh, why don't you tell me all seven of them right now yourself? And I got to like five or six and I couldn't remember the last one. It's like, all right, point taken. I understand. And what I wound up doing was going back to the drawing board with my ex-business partner. And we went from seven values down to four. We trimmed the fat. All right, what we had this value that meant this, but it was kind of overlapping when you started doing the research and looking at the, the thesaurus, like what did the word really mean kind of deal uh, or the dictionary. And <clears throat> so, all right, we trimmed it down to four. Learn my lesson there. I carry that same lesson over into uh, my personal life. It's like, all right, I have young kids at home, dude. Like my oldest is eight and my twins are about to be six in September. So when, when I rolled this out, it was two years ago. So they were six and four. There's no way I'm going to give these young kids three, four, five core values to remember. It's impossible. It's like, all right, how do I simplify this and break it down to the simplest format possible so that my young kids at home could get this and understand it at a very deep intrin intrinsic level forever, right? And dumb it down. That's the only thing. I kept running through my head. I got to dumb it down. I got to dumb it down. Ah, got it. Weatherford popped back into my head. And we have a single core value here at the Keenan household, and it's we are champions. We never give up. Oh, I love it. We always do our best. That's it. And 
I don't wake my kids up every morning speaking champion over them, but I pulled this right from Weatherford's playbook. I tuck my kids in when I'm home at least, and I do travel quite a bit, but every night that I'm home, I will tuck my kids in, read to them, uh, tell them a story, hugs and kisses. And then when I'm hugging and kissing my, my child, doesn't matter which one of the three it is, it is good night champion. And now it's a dialect that goes back and forth. Once I say that, it's like, okay, my, my son's name is Thomas too. Thomas, why are we champions? Because we're winners. We always do our best and we never give up. And he repeats that back to me at six years old. That's, that's amazing. So, I mean, already here we are fucking 10 minutes into the podcast and you're dropping fire. Um, so it's, it's interesting. And that's one thing that I never thought about. Right. So obviously it was you who got me to have my core values in line from mm -hmm. your book. It was multiple people that said, for the love of God, go read Thomas's book. Um, and then, you know, it helped me live by my core values in my personal life, but it never occurred to me to have like what you're saying, that structure of like a, a familial set of core values. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's it's amazing. So I, I got to press you on it. Sure. Have you seen a big difference in your kids' behavior and, and mindsets? So I got I got asked the tough questions. Yeah. I know so, if I if I would do that to my kids, which I'm gonna start fucking tonight. Yeah. Um I would hope that it would change a lot for them. Yeah. So I really only had to play, pull this card with my son. Um, my other two, he, it, my kids are really good. They, they really are. Like they, they've been to events with me and they're, they're the kids who sit in the corner and don't bother anybody kind of deal. But every so often my son's an asshole flat out. Like there's, you just can't avoid it. Right. So uh, I'm very open and direct. And when I see him doing those kinds of things, I will legit say to him, hey, Thomas, number one, stop being an asshole. And number two, are you acting like a champion right now? And the moment that I say, are you, or if I ask him that question, are you acting like a champion right now? There is an immediate uh, change in his body language when he hears that those words come out of my mouth. Instantaneously. I don't have to say anything else, literally. He straightens his shit up and he gets on with his day. It's that simple. Oh, that's, that's amazing. And, and again, like it's, it's such a good idea. And, and I think it's something that people just get like, I mean, core values in general, I think, especially in business, just get pushed to the wayside because one, they either get taken completely for granted yep. or two people just think they have to have them. So other people think they're good. Right. Very few are actually fucking living by them. Bingo. Um, So it's, Oh, I'm, I'm going to start tonight. And like your son, my son can be an asshole a lot, <laughs> a lot. He's, he's got that, like, he, he's one of those kids. And I really think having like core values would really help him because he's four, mm. but he is so emotionally advanced and intelligence and intelligently advanced, but he has so much trouble processing those strong emotions as a four-year-old. Like his, the way his brain works is just, mind-boggling to me and like you can see him taking himself through his thought process and his emotions so i think having those core values in line as a family would be perfect i just gotta get my wife to yeah. agree the core values it's, it's just framework and that's the thing man the same way you do it for your team and your employees you don't don't think you're going to do it solo there's got to be buy-in from the other leader in your in your company your family your wife and this is something that you got to sit down and do together Right. But um, again, going back to it, you got little ones involved. Keep it as simple as possible. One, two, 
maybe three max, right? Um, even though I do have one core value, there's a couple of sentences that we say afterwards and you can start to pull in. If you really wanted to di dive in deeper, you know, you can pull more values out of that. But I just, I, I structured it so it was as simple as possible for the little ones to remember. Yeah, and, and that's going to be very important, I think, for anybody that's listening and, and following along at home. I mean, even that overarching theme of don't make your core values so complicated and so detailed that they're a motherfucker to remember. Yeah. Make them to where they're easy to remember. You see people in the circles that we run in slash have run in together, and mm -hmm. everybody's making the fancy graphics and their acronyms and they're spelling out different words when really all you need is just core values that you fucking believe in. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. It, I'm I, all I love for the, the acronyms. I'm all for the artwork. I really am. And I think that, that it, it builds a lot, makes the office look good, sets the culture for the company. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're not, if you're not testing your team on those core values, if you're not reminding them daily, if you're not coaching based in and around those core values for good and bad, every single moment, every coachable moment that pops up as an opportunity, then you're doing everyone on the team a disservice. And you wasted hours, if not weeks of your time, figuring out core values that now don't make a fucking difference at all. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's so interesting. It took me forever. And I think I can speak for a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners out there um, that we we have a tendency to overanalyze a lot when it comes to business, right? Yeah. And it's just it's just the nature of, of our minds, right? Because especially as business owners, we want to take care of our babies being the businesses. We don't want to fucking dick anybody over. We don't want to get dicked over. We want everything to work. But we don't realize that the foundational blocks of business are all very much the same, whether you are a solopreneur or you are running a Fortune 500 company, yep. right? So- it's as a business coach myself in an area and region that is very, we'll say resistant mm -hmm. to coaching. And and I've done a lot of work to break that stigma around the region. Um, very few fucking people actually give a shit about their core values or even have core values. Yeah. So the first thing I do with every company I come in to coach every, every person I train, everything is, core values and go by Thomas's book. Mm -hmm. So it's, what else do you have? What, what other foundational blocks do you think? Because the majority of the people that listen to the show, yeah. I would think are those that are starting to scale, starting to grow and get to where they want to be. So aside from core values, which we know yeah. you're a fucking rock star on, what else would you recommend? Where, what other area would you recommend them look at? There's a couple of spots that that uh, very similar to you. Anytime I get to working with a client and they're like, hey, these are the first things we're doing. Oh, you've done them before? <laughs> Good, you're gonna do them again, right? It's, it's <laughs> um, number one is establish what your hourly rate is. How much are you worth per hour? That's a great metric to know. So, and, and the simplest way to do it, and uh, there's more accurate methods. And if you wanna go and be a nerd in Excel, knock yourself out, but I'm gonna give you the dumbest, simplest way to figure this out. The amount of money that you grossed last year divided by 2080. Okay. So if you, let's just, let me pull out my calculator here. Cause I'm not good with numbers in my head. All right. If we pull out, <clears throat> let's say uh, you make uh, we'll call it $500,000 last year divided by 2080 and 2080 is approximately uh, 40 hours per week. And you and I both know that most people work a lot more than that. So we're being very conservative. 
divided by let's call it uh, 2080 hold on 500,000 uh divided by 2080 uh that gives us $240 per hour roughly okay so if you're that person making 500 grand a year working 40 hours a week your hourly rate is $240 per hour now you have to go do a time study where are you spending your time? What are you doing exactly in your life, in your business, yada, yada, yada. Um, once you study that time, you're going to, and I do it where it's 15 minute increments. So it, it's the worst exercise in the world, dude. It sucks, right? 15 minute increments, two weeks long. You're going to write down every single thing you do from flipping through porn, scrolling TikTok, uh, shitting on the bowl until your legs fall asleep to taking your dog for a walk, to actually doing real work, spending time with the kids, all of that stuff gets written down. It's not for anyone else to see, it's for you. And, and you don't lie to describe like, like seven hours of my day in the first few things you said, so. Yeah, I know, I know. But now attach that dollar amount to it, right? Like, oh shit, my time ain't worth doing that. Uh, the same thing, what winds up happening is you say, all right, well, if I'm worth $250 an hour, um, should I really be doing laundry at my house? Should I really be washing the windows or washing my car or you know, doing all these little home improvement projects at home. Now, if it's a hobby and it's something you enjoy, that that could be different. But at the same point in time, a lot of that stuff isn't worth your hourly rate. Go hire a professional to take that shit off your time. And what winds up happening is now you have all of these extra hours to go pour into what you're really good at that generates more money for you. Right? Or the entrepreneur who's like, well, I'm doing great at, at the office. So the business is kicking ass but I have no time at home to spend with my wife and my kids and I'm, I'm on the verge of divorce. Okay, cool. I get it. You really don't need to make more money, but you got to make more time. All right. Go do the time study and figure out how you can get all that extra shit off your plate that you're doing at work that you really don't love to do, but you need to do because it's necessary to keep the business operational. Go delegate that shit to somebody else so you can go home and spend time with the people who really care the most. All right. Beautiful. Beautiful. And it's, it's interesting because you know, especially people that are just starting out, especially in service providing industries, you know, setting your price is a motherfucker of a task. Mm -hmm. And it's even harder to do when you are more selfless than you are selfish because you want to help every fucking person that you can find. Anybody yeah. that knows me knows for the first year that I was a coach and I had my company that I did it full time. I did all pro bono that entire year. I was a dipshit. Mm -hmm. All pro bono that entire year. Now, granted, that got my name out there and that built my brand because I was delivering for these people. But after that year, what do you think I was fucking known as? Yeah, do you think I was known as the guy that's, yeah. Do you think I was known as the guy that's $1,000 an hour? Fuck no. So when I started to say like, listen, if you want just an hour of my time as a one-off, it's going to be four figures. Then people were just like, well, why can't we just get it for free? Because yeah. I don't do that anymore. Like I still have to yeah. make a living. Mm -hmm. So it's very important from the, the 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 guys that are just starting out and the women that are starting businesses. Like you have to charge people, and yeah. you really need to do what you're worth. Because your time study helped me, mm -hmm. where I realized what I had to get rid of and I had to delegate, and that was hard too because I'm a control freak. Yep, I get it, man. But I get it. It's how it was in my last couple of companies too. You know. I spent 20 plus years as a custom car audio installer. I was a technician. I was really good at what I did. And it was a very skilled trade, right? So um, it was it was difficult for me to have a new guy who would come in. who's like, oh, I want to help. I want to get good. I want to get good. And A, I've got a very expensive vehicle that I'm working on that could be put at risk. 
and and take all the the profit margin, which is already slim to none, take that completely out of the job because you know one of my guys damaged the vehicle. Uh, but it, it left me in since I was such a doer, I was a massive control freak, and I was I was a perfectionist. So it took a lot of me working on me and getting around other people who were more successful to to realize that done is greater than perfect. And that was not something that I learned overnight. It probably took me no exaggeration dude it's probably a good five or six years for me to slowly start to learn those lessons and, and get to a point where i was able to let go of some of that control because now i could see the bigger picture yeah yeah so interestingly enough the last time that i saw you in person mm -hmm. um which was in dallas yep we uh like that was kind of my aha weekend or, or week where between day one and day two mm -hmm. um I fired a client and made her a partner. Mm. So I, I had this, this vision for her when I first took her on, I chased her to get her as a client for a year and she was finally ready after a year. And she's, she excelled, did everything. She was the most coachable client I ever had. Yep. And she skyrocketed, became best-selling author, sought mm -hmm. after in her industry, everything. She was awesome. So I was finally in Dallas and it was, I think it was Ducharme. Uh, I mean, any, if anybody has seen Jeff Ducharme speak, uh, you know, the guys at powerhouse and if you haven't fucking make a point, yeah, to go, go make a point to get it done. Jeez, I agree. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. So he, he hit the room and he was like, who thinks 50 grand is a lot of money. And everybody in that room was like, fuck, oh, God, it's 50 grand. He's like, I make out a fucking minute. Mm -hmm. and we're like, Ooh, well, this is why we shut up and listen. So I called my client and I was like, you're fired, but I want to give you, I, I want you to be a partner. And she was like, oh my God, yes. So I, I moved like my time frame up like six, seven months. Yeah. And being able to relinquish control mm. was amazing because I do have so much more time to go back to selling. I have more time to be with my kids, my wife. Yeah. So it's amazing how just letting go of some control has so much intrinsic value. So yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um it's something I talk about a lot too, you know, visionary versus integrator. Uh, I'm an integrator at heart. Uh, and for people who don't know the difference, the, the visionary typically sits in the CEO seat. The integrator sits in the COO seat. Uh, the visionary is the person who kind of sets the vision for the company. It's where we're going. This is what we do. This is, this is us as a, as a organization. They got a thousand new ideas a day versus the integrator. Who's the one who basically captures that chaos and makes order out of what the, what the the visionary disturbs and not in a bad way um, but it takes these two people these two different personalities to really kind of start moving and grooving for a business to scale tremendously and um it's important for people like you to figure out okay i know i have to do x y and z for the company to survive but a it's not the highest and best use of my time or b i fucking hate doing it so for me right there I don't want to do bookkeeping. I understand that it's necessary. I understand that if we don't have accurate bookkeeping, we don't know the numbers. If we don't know the numbers, we can't effectively operate the company. But I know I'm not the right one to do it. Hey, I've, I've tried it multiple times. I've fucked it up beyond belief. And I've always had to come in and hire the pros and the pros then charge you more money because they got to go back and fix all your mistakes before they can you know, make forward progress. Um, so I, I say that because you got to go find out what it is that you're currently doing in your company that you're not good at, or, and this is a lie. A lot of people say to themselves too, Hey, I love doing that. All right. But are you good at it? 
<laughs> like I love marketing, all right? But I am not the marketing expert. Am I pretty good? Yeah, I'm pretty good and I can swing with most of them. But I know there's people out there who are better at it than I am, who are more efficient than I am at, you know, going and building a funnel or a follow-up process. Um, go find those people and get rid of some of your control and let them help you take over. And the more people, the more quality people you bring on, the better your company's going to do. And one of the tools that I've always used to determine, hey, you know, what are you, once you, once you figure out, hey, what are the tasks I need to get rid of? You start dropping them into a list and you start creating in chunks of three, we call it the big three. Um, all right, these three tasks go to this role over here. These three tasks go to this role over here. And now you can go and you can start building accurate job descriptions and going out and saying, okay, this is who we got to go hire. Now, once you begin the hiring process, you start using personality assessments to determine if those people are a good fit for the job. Right? And oftentimes, especially if you're, if you're looking for that person to work side by side next to you, do not hire someone who matches your personality assessment because you will fight nonstop like cats and dogs. You got to go and you got to search for that that yin and yang, the opposite of where your strengths are. That, that's perfect. It almost sounds like you should you should be a fractional COO. <laughs> yeah, almost right. <laughs> it, it's it's interesting because, um, like you brought up marketing, mm -hmm. and you know I I love marketing without without marketing without sales you're gonna not have a business. No. Um, the the best piece of marketing advice I ever got was from John Hiley's book. And it was the moment, and it, you want to talk about a guy that just falls to the wall. Mm -hmm. um, he mentioned in his book about how he, he made a commitment or he, he wrote a check to charity for something like 30 grand, 40 grand, gave it to his friend and said, if I don't call you by this date, cash that fucking check. Yep. And I, I was it. like, yeah, I, I was like, I was like, man, that takes balls mm -hmm. and then i was like you know what i'm gonna do it right so and, and i it, like this just paid off yesterday for me because i made a commitment a buddy of mine that i wrestled with in high school mm -hmm. is a coach for one of the only local girls youth wrestling teams in this in the state uh and he's like they're they're wrestling in shorts and t-shirts last season like they're females or teenagers like we got to get them singlets and i was like i'll do it yeah and he let me know. And I was like, wow, it's a lot more pricey than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> right. And, and then my wife found out and she's like, what the fuck do you mean you did this? And I was like, I, I, I can't, I can't back out. I'm looking like a yeah. dickhead if I back out yeah, of this. Yeah. And that's just probably why she doesn't want me to read anymore. Um, but you, you have to push yourself and just admit like, you know, I'm not an expert in marketing. I'm not an expert in sales, in bookkeeping, whatever it is, and bring people in that are, I mean, it's, it's it's incredible how so many people want to wear that hat of you know chief everything yeah. officer to harken our buddy Jeff, yeah. and they they burn out after a few years where mm -hmm. their company just tanks. Yeah, but there's a caveat to that. Uh, I'm a firm believer that especially as a leader of the company or one of the leaders within the company, you've got to go and you got to do it all at one point in time. Okay, and you got to do it. And this is a formula to, to scaling. And I didn't create this, nor do I ever claim to. I got this from the company Trainual. I used their, their program for a while, one of my last companies. And it's, it allows you to document systems and processes and, and uh, training shit. So when you hire a new person, it gives them an online course pretty much to learn how you do your shit. 
And the, the process, that the formula that they've come up with, and I've used this and I've scaled two companies now using this exact formula, is do it, document, delegate. Okay? So you have to do it yourself so you have a good understanding of how it's done, what the expectations are, how long is it going to take me to do X, Y, and Z task. That also gives you enough, we'll call it ammo, to then go in and document it. And it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, it could be a damn Loom video right? Um, from there, now that you've done it, now that you've documented it, you're going to go and you're going, you're going to delegate it to somebody. And that, that involves obviously a hiring process, bringing someone onto the team, and then training the person how to go do it. But the power of going in there and doing it is that you now understand at a basic level, what's really involved to get that job done, even though you may not be the expert, right? But now when you bring somebody onto the team, you're going to know really quickly if they're a bullshit artist or not. That's perfect. I, mm -hmm. I, I recorded with um with with Will yesterday or two days ago. Yeah. And we were we were talking because we were both in the Navy, obviously in two entirely separate worlds with him being mm -hmm. in spec war. Um and we were both talking about the similarities in, in our different sectors because of if you don't know, fucking say it. Mm. Right. Because it, in our line of work, more so his, if I don't know and not saying it can get people killed. Yeah, literally. So it's it's so important. So like you said, I, I like that have have an understanding. And it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around somebody starting a business and not having that ability. Mm. Right. Because nobody starts with, well, generally speaking, nobody starts with 50 million in capital and is able to hire overnight. Yeah. Right. So it's it, it's amazing to just sit here and like look back, even at my own progression over the past couple of years. I mean, I've holy shit, man. I I've done a lot. Mm. I, I still know very little. So that's why that's why I'm hiring people now. Yeah. Man. Wow. So, so what where what are you doing now? Like where you you've done a lot. You've scaled companies, you've mm -hmm. built companies. You're a coach, you're a sought after coach, a very respected coach. Where do you go? Where do you go to grow? It all goes back to my purpose, right? Uh my personal purpose and why I've been put here on the planet is to help others succeed in business. Um, I'm very, very aware of that. And it's also something I'm passionate about. So um, that's the goal, right? Is to go out there and help as many people in their business, succeed in their business as possible. Uh, I was doing it through a couple of different modalities in the past. Some things have changed in the, in the, recent, um, in the recent future. Well, just passed a couple of weeks ago, which is fine. It's time for a change. Uh, now my focus is going in there and helping businesses with fractional COO services. So the way it works is I come into a company, uh, we do a full-blown two-day on-site audit. So I'm coming into the company and we're literally peeling back the layers of the onion and looking at everything, good, bad, indifferent. Like there's no hiding anything. And if you're going to hide some shit from me, it's going to be very detrimental to you because I can't put the whole game plan together to help save your ass or, or make your company better, right? So- all, I'm a very open, transparent kind of guy, and I'm asking that to be reciprocated when I go in and work with these clients. Um, so there's an upfront cost for me to come in and, and do this work with the client. From there, I get, I get back to my home office here, and I get to work on building that actual roadmap. I put a full-blown presentation together, and I say, all right, here's the big end goal that you're looking to achieve. Um, this is what we need to do within the next 90 days to start working towards that goal. And I give them a roadmap. These are all the things that are great in your company. 
the, the you know basically it's a SWOT analysis. You got your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, your threats. We're going to pick three key initiatives from each of those columns, and we're going to get to work in them. And by this date, we're going to we should have all of this done, and you should be at this point on your journey to achieving that big goal that we have set. So at that point, the customer's got two choices. They can either take this roadmap and implement it themselves, or they can hire me on a, on a fractional basis on a retainer model where I go in and I actually help them push the buttons and pull the levers and get that done. So it's it's a lot more than just, hey, Tom's a business coach for that person. It's no, Tom's going to come in and help you get shit done. That's that's a great way to put it. I, I like it. And I, I've been, I mean, obviously I've been following you for you know about a year. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the, the best way to put it is, and I can't coin this, um, but so many coaches are out there saying what they need to do and not mm -hmm. showing how to do it. And that's, that's where you're coming in. And that's what's, I mean, a, a, you've been setting yourself apart for a long time. But yeah. I think that's going to be a huge, huge difference maker. And it's interesting because I said interesting, like eight times this podcast. Um, that's basically the the route that I take mm -hmm. without calling myself an integrator or, or a fractional CEO or anything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's you're right, because so many people, they get coaches and they, they expect them to do the work for them. Yeah. And that's, that's not what a coach is there for. That's the difference between yeah. a coach and a consultant really. So, you know, what I'm doing is more on a consulting basis. Um, I, listen, I've, I've been a client of both, right? I've, I've, I've worked with multiple coaches. I've also worked with um, consultants where they, they've come in and helped me build real systems and processes in my companies. And those were some of the most valuable relationships that I got because um, I had this one gentleman, I worked with him for years. And I used to go into his office three times a month. So uh, the average month has has four weeks. It was three Fridays a month I would go in and spend between three and four hours in this dude's office, like pretty much once a week. So uh, we would do a lot of coaching where we'd have conversations. Those conversations would go all over the place. They go, they talk family, they talk health and fitness, they talk business, they talk relationships, and talk sales, marketing, and. Then we'd also get into building out and designing and whiteboarding what some of those systems would be. And then let's say we'll, we'll go up another week or so. And next week we, we get together and it's like, all right, we, we mapped out this whole game plan last week. Now it's time for us to start putting this into, into some of the systems and start to automate some of this. Right. So my last business was service-based, so I couldn't automate everything, but okay. What, what of this can we automate? Right. And my, my, my theory on that, um, is this, you know, you got to ask yourself the question up front. Uh, if I completely eliminate this from my life and my business right now, will it affect the bottom line or the customer experience? 50% of the time or more, the answer is no, it will not. You know what that means? It means get the fuck out of your way because it's unnecessary. Right now, if, if, it, if it will affect it, the next question is, all right, well, can I automate this? And 50% of the time or more, you can automate that without ruining the customer experience or the expectations you've set forward. If you can't do either of those, the next question is, can you delegate it? And geez, I'd probably say 90% of the time or more, you can delegate whatever it is that has to be. Uh, and and listen, as a business owner, as I don't care if you're a CEO or just the founder of the company or just the president, I don't care what title you have on your name. There's certain shit within the company that no matter where you go, as far as growth, scale, size, 
you're going to have to be the one who does it, right? There's certain things you just have to do. Uh, they will change and evolve over time. Um, and especially as you continue to grow and self-develop as a person and then bring better people onto your team. But there's certain shit, there's certain documents that you're going to have to physically sign yourself. There's certain key hires that you're going to want to go and be very involved with bringing onto your team. Because if you aren't involved, you may allow the wrong culture, the wrong person, the wrong fit to come onto your team. And that's just going to poison the culture overall. We've, we've all seen that happen. Yeah, it's, I, I like that you, that you put that out there, that there is some shit that, you know, no matter how big you are, no matter what level you're at, that you're going to have to do. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you also said something that I really want to make sure my followers pay attention to, because um, a lot of times, whether it's, you know, coaching or consulting, I'll lean more towards coaching. Um, but I often find myself and I know other coaches do too, in order to, to kind of get through business roadblocks, the personal shit has to be unpacked. Mm. Right. And, and that's something that a lot of people aren't really prepared for, especially when <laughs> it comes to either Not being a bit. coach. Yeah. yeah it, when, it, when it comes to either being a coach or having a coach. Mm. And it was a conversation I had to have with myself because I tried to, you know, have certain boundaries in place, right? Like, Hey, I'm not going to talk to you about that part of your life. But nine times out of 10, that outside personal life affects the shit out of the business decisions. Yeah. So yeah, hearing that you were in your coach's office, you know, three times a month and most of what you said was not business. Mm. It was the personal stuff. And then yep. you touched on sales, you touched on whiteboarding it out because mm -hmm. you have to be making clear decisions. And if you're clouded by all sorts of personal shit, you're, gonna, you're nine times out of 10, you're going to make the wrong ones. It also stunts your growth in the company too. I'm a firm believer that uh, you can't lead your company any further than you've personally developed yourself. Oh, that's perfect. That is absolutely perfect. I, mm -hmm. I had, it, it, you know, serendipity, right? I had Michelle Fuller on um, a couple of weeks ago and Michelle, we were, she was talking about how it's basically the same thing you and I just said, like, like the mm -hmm. personal shit has to go be worked on before you can make good business decisions. Uh, and to what you said, you can't lead unless you've led yourself, right? Michelle said, I don't blame my parents and nobody should blame their parents because our parents loved us to the, as much as they were capable of loving mm -hmm. themselves. Yeah. And, and that honestly, I recorded three episodes today and I've now talked about it in every episode. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's how much I like it. Because it's yeah. so accurate. Like until if, if we're stunning our growth, we're going to stun our companies. If we're going to uh -huh. be stubborn dickheads, mm -hmm. where the fuck's our company going to go? I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Anybody that listens to this and knows either of us are like, uh, yeah, about that. Yeah, that's, that's, a, 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 that's a joke, by the way, in case anyone didn't catch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just amazing how, like, again, like the, the foundations the foundational stuff. It's all basic stuff that people just mm -hmm. overthink and overanalyze. And then they have people like you and me, even though I don't call myself an integrator mm -hmm. that come in and just say, let's get the roadblocks out of the way. Let's implement this shit and get you where the fuck you want to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. it you know, uh, one of the benefits um, of being a coach or hiring a coach, whether it's a coach consultant, I don't give a fuck what title you're going to want to use. Cause they're very similar. Strategist. Um, yeah, 
is here's the deal, right? And this is the beauty of it. And we've all heard this before, but I'm going to give two two pieces. Number one is time compression. That person is going to come in, put a fresh set of eyeballs on your shit and say, well, that's just the dumbest fucking way I've ever seen somebody do it. So why don't you cut half of that bullshit out of the way and you're going to basically compress time. You got you got eight, 18 too many steps in the way and you only need about three, right? See that all the time. Um, the other the other part to it, <clears throat> fuck what I was going to say. Um, well, we'll just leave it at that. Time compression. Oh, ah, see, I remembered. I remembered. The caffeine's kicking in. Uh, <laughs> that the The coach or the consultant that you bring in is not emotionally attached to your business. You're the founder of that company. You that is your baby. You may as well have just given birth to that thing. It is yours, and like you, are, you are so in love with this thing that you've spent all this time, effort, effort, energy, and money in creating that. And now you're also this close to it every single day, right? So you can't pick your head up and see out into the forest and see all the different possibilities. Because you're, you're just this damn close to it. It's stuck in the day-to-day, getting all your shit done. And when you bring in that person, whether it's you, me, or someone similar to us, they're able to give you that 30,000-foot bird's-eye view from, from the top. And they're able to say, oh, now these are the roadblocks in the way. This is what we need to get rid of. And it just makes things simpler. And ultimately, like we started with this, you're compressing that time. So yeah, would you have figured this out on your own? Probably but it may have taken you 12 years. Whereas you bring someone like us in and we can overcome those roadblocks in three months, six months, 12 months, right? So do you want to go out and spend all of these years figuring out on your own? Because you eventually you will, because you're going you're gonna to learn your lessons because you're going to make all the damn mistakes. In the, I'm telling you from experience, folks. Okay, that's how I did it though. I burned one business to the ground. I spent five years doing it. The second business, I started it. And the first five years I was in business on, on the second one, I repeated every goddamn mistake I made in business one. The only reason it didn't fail is because I had a business partner. And if you if you put two thick-headed individuals together who are hard workers, we could just do a lot more because it was two of us. But if I was on my own with business two, I would have failed that one too, right? And it wasn't until I had a life-altering event that made me get my head out of my ass. And as our good friend, Sammy Knight says, I heard the pop. Right. And I heard the pop at the age of 35 and I said, oh, shit. And that's when I went out and I looked for the first person to to coach me and my company. And that's when shit started to get good. Yeah. Oh, God, I love Sammy. I, I, I swear that that man has the most infectious smile of anybody I've ever seen. Like, like most people wake up and yeah, for those of us that are in this space, they like try to motivate themselves in the morning or start positively. I'm like looking for sammy's feed because i know i'm going to see that smiling bastard in the morning and it's just going to be like how can your day go bad when you see his face yeah um but yeah i i had the same experience i, I mean I, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur always and mm -hmm. i did it in all the wrong ways i got out of the navy uh, i started an event planning business because i liked the party so naturally i was like oh, i'm a fucking genius yeah this is great <laughs> right uh, it lasted like a week i got one customer inquiry i was like well, I don't know a fucking thing. Business done. We're not doing that. And, you know, various others throughout the years. And I went into coaching after a long career in sales. Mm -hmm. And I was at a networking event. And even though I knew I was a coach, even though I knew I was a consultant, I was calling myself a sales strategist at that point, I fell into the stigma that this region has surrounding coaches. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not calling myself a coach. I refuse to do it. I, I don't need a coach. I, why would I want a coach? Sitting there thinking like, what fucking message am I portraying that I'm a mm-hmm. business coach who doesn't have a business coach? Yep. And somebody said that to me at the networking event. And the next day is when I mm-hmm. joined the organization that you were a part of that yep. you and I met in. Yep. And it made a world of difference because I had access to people like Ducharme, people like yep. you and everybody else in that circle. I mean, if you, if you remember... I was in your breakout session and Mm -hmm. I was like, shit, man, I'm supposed to change my company name. Like I can't pass this thing on. It's got my last name. And you were like, why the fuck would you change that? Mm. Like, that's a, that's an awesome name. And I kept it. Things kicked ass. So it's for anybody out there that does not have a business coach or consultant strategist, whatever the hell you want to call them. It cuts your time to success down drastically. And it makes things I don't want to say easier because you still have to do the work. Mm-hmm. You still have to do the work that you would have to do over a span of years, just in a smaller period, but it makes it. We'll say more enjoyable, yeah, less stressful, sure. if that makes sense. For sure. Here, here's one thing though. I want, I want people to know and understand <clears throat> whether you hire a coach, a consultant, someone to come in and give you some advice in your company. Uh, don't ever expect them to do all the work. And if, if I, if I started working with somebody and I got that feeling that they expected me to do it all, I'd fire them as a client instantly. And the reason is this, okay. If I'm going to go in there and do all the goddamn work, I may as well have my name on the LLC, not you, right? I'm, I'm going to come in and I'm very willing to help you. I'm, I'm very willing to help you succeed, but this goes to boundaries. You kind of talked about boundaries before. Don't overstep the boundary and expect me to bring your complete vision to a reality with very minimal input from you without you showing up and putting in the work alongside me. Yeah. It's starting out in in my space as a coach, especially as a coach that wasn't charging is doing a lot of pro bono work to get his name out there. Mm -hmm. I ran into that a lot, a lot. And even, I mean, even still, there's a lot of people out there that will, will do that. They expect a coach to come in and do the work. No, if you wanted that, go hire an employee. Yeah. Hire a CMO, hire. I agree. I see it in multiple areas. I see it with coaching. Uh, I I see it with software and I see it with online courses. Right. And and even though there's some other service-based businesses in and around that, that that are supportive to small business attorneys, uh, CPAs, uh, bookkeepers, you know, tax advisors. And I'm, I'm guilty of this myself. Okay. Um, And that's how I know it so well, by the way, folks, because I ain't perfect. (laughs) Um, you go in and you drop the money for the online course or the coach. And then you're like, Oh, my problems are solved. I spent the money. Now I can, now I can kick my feet up and and relax. No, no, it doesn't work that way. No, that's, that's just your endorphins and your, the chemicals in your brain releasing, giving you that great feeling. Uh, it's only going to last temporarily. And then all of a sudden you're going to say, Oh shit, Cost me 10 grand to work with that person. Cost me five grand to work with this one. That online course over there cost me a thousand bucks. At the end of the day, if you don't get your ass in there and do the goddamn work, nothing's going to change. And if nothing changes, nothing changes. That That is exactly, oh my gosh, I, I run into that so often. And, and again, with online courses specifically, mm-hmm. because everybody expects the easy way out. Yeah, Everybody expects you know, whether you've taken, let's take sales training, for example, right? So 
Grant Cardone, Miller Hyman, Sandler, right? They all are, and I'll, I'll say it, nobody's reinvented the wheel. Mm-hmm. No, sure. and, and nobody's going to reinvent the wheel. Nope. Buying trends have changed. Mm-hmm. Buying motivators have changed, but the wheel is still the same. It's just everybody's doing it in their own separate way. Yeah. Now, so many people will take these trainings and they will expect to just do for it to be life-changing without any implementation. Yeah. And it frustrates the shit out of me mm-hmm. because especially when I was in sales teams, I was working for in telecom, it was the same thing. They they this company paid Miller Hyman a lot of money. And Miller Hyman happened to be in a building that this company also owned. Mm. Um, and uh, I mean, I don't even want to think about how much they paid Miller Hyman. So Miller Hyman came in, redid all their sales strategy, all of it. And everybody sat in the room and they were like, this is the simplest shit we've ever seen. Like, why, why haven't we been doing this? Yeah. But 99% of them didn't follow through. They didn't mm-hmm. implement it and they fell on their faces. And that's the problem with everything that you just described, software, tech. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's mind-boggling to me. Why would you pay money to somebody, especially somebody, let's say, at your level who's much more expensive than I am and definitely yeah. worth it, and then you don't fucking do the work. You don't mm-hmm. implement it. What sense does that make? It yeah. drives me absolutely crazy. Yeah, that's it's one of the reasons I set my business model up the way I did. Right. So yeah, I'm coming on site and we're going to work together for two days. So during our discovery call, I'm getting a really good feeling for you. Right. And whether you realize it or not, I'm asking you qualifying questions. I'm checking your core values. I'm looking for alignment. I'm seeing that it's truly a business that needs my services and I can help. And that's one of the things. All right. My purpose is to help other businesses succeed. If I don't think I can help you, I'm not taking your fucking money. Right. My integrity won't allow me to. Um, but when I get to your company and we're doing this two-day on-site audit, I'm digging through things. We're having conversations. And yeah, we're going to talk about some personal stuff too, because I need to know about where you are in that area of your life and how that's affecting your leadership in the company, right? And why your goals are, are what they are. Um, but I'm also assessing if I want to work with you long-term. I can only do so much assessing on a 30 minute zoom call when I had that first consultation with you, but now I got two days face to face with you. I get to see how you interact with your employees. I get to see how you interact when the, when the DoorDash guy drops the food off. We're probably going to go out and break bread at a couple of different restaurants as well. Maybe we'll do lunch. Maybe we'll do dinner. I'm going to get to see how you, you handle yourself in those situations. I'm a very big observer. I love body language as well. Um, and I'm looking at all that stuff at all times because it's going to tell me deeper about who you are as a person. And if I don't feel that this is a right long-term relationship, then I'm not going to give you the offer on the backside to even hire me on a retainer basis. That's exactly why I don't do month-to-month contracts anymore. Mm -hmm. I had so many people think that they were getting everything they could possibly get from me in a month. Yeah. And then they'd they'd crash and burn. Mm -hmm. So not only were they getting pissed off at me when it was their fault, but it was also watering my brand down. Yeah. So everything I look for is either six months to a year and all but one client has gone with the the year contract because that buy-in is required. I want to make sure, like you said, that it's somebody who I want to do business with. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, 
the clients that we choose, the clients that we take on are representations of the work we do as coaches as well. Yeah. Um, I recently hired someone, uh, a support, third-party support uh, for my team. And uh, when I got done with this person, this, this is literally yesterday, hired the person on, filled out the, the online form to fill everything out and get fired up, put my credit card in there. And um, I did it while I was on the Zoom call with the guy. <clears throat> and he's like, oh, yeah, I saw it come over on my end. And he said this to me, and I'm going to take this and start implementing it myself. Uh, he's like, thank you for trusting your business with me. And he goes, I want you to now think of me as a trusted member of your team. And I'm not, I'm not here for a short term deal with you because he's doing some, some, some legal work for me. This is an attorney I hired. Um, he goes, I'm, I'm here to become a long-term asset to your team, even though I'm not a full-time team member. It's like, Oh, okay. I see where this is going. Right. I like that. So yeah, I, I like that a lot. And I, that I, I like it so much that it's going to be part of the conversation that I'm having with my clients moving forward too, because I don't want just a transactional business. I mean, anybody could do that. If I wanted a transactional business, I get back into the service uh, based shit I was doing in the past where I showed up to, to your job site and sold a tracking device in your commercial truck. That was about as transactional as it could get. Right. Uh, but I rather build that long term relationship. I rather have 10 good quality or great quality clients that I'm I'm serving at a very, very high level rather than a thousand who are like, eh. Yeah, that's. Man, I, I, it's it, like I love that our paths have crossed because you and I are so fucking similar, like so mm -hmm. similar. I would rather have, like you said, 10 high paying clients that I know are not only going to do the work, but I'm going to get along with. I'm going to be proud to say are my clients and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's that's the relationship that we want. And that, that also goes back to core values. Right. The, the last thing I want to do, and I tell every customer I, I talk to, every client that I work with whether it's pro bono or not, because I still do pro bono stuff just because I'm, I'm like, you like, I want to help people. Like I love yeah. helping people in business. Um, having your core values in line is going to minimize or in a perfect world, mm -hmm. completely eliminate you ever laying your head down at the end of the night and going, I feel like shit for how I handled that in my business. That yeah. went completely against who I am. Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to be able to do that ever. Yeah. So, but Mr. Keenan, our hour is up. You are welcome on this podcast fucking anytime you want. I appreciate where, that, sir. Where can they find you? Because I am positive people are going to uh, want to reach out to you. Uh, best place to grab me is probably my website. Uh, head over to thomaskeenan.com and just know that uh, you can see it right behind me. I'm Thomas with no H. Um, screws everybody up. But for marketing purposes, it's great because I'm the only one. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, seriously, thank you very, very, very much. Um, I'm going to send the guests off guys. Thank you for listening again. Reach out to Thomas. He is an absolute asset in every single step of the way. So hope you guys enjoyed it and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us this week on slaying the sale. If you're interested in knowing more about Kyle, make sure you head over to his website, theslaymakermethod.com and pick up a copy of his best-selling books. Then head to Facebook to join his private group, Slaymaker Sales Mastery, to become the number one salesperson in your company. And until next time, remember to keep slaying the sale.